Now, I know a lot of people, it's the first weekend of summer vacation for many. A lot of people are traveling. Pray for them as they travel. That just means you've got to say amen a little louder today. All right? As we go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, many of you know that Franklin Graham, uh, the great Samaritan's uh, Purse Ministries, and of course the son of Billy Graham, uh, felt an impression from the Lord several weeks ago, and he, he has called America and called churches to pray for our president today. And this is part of his statement. It says, this is a critical time for America. We're on the edge of a precipice. Time is short. We need to pray for God to intervene. We need to ask God to protect, strengthen, encourage, and guide the president of the United States. We know that God hears and answers prayer. He can soften hearts and change minds. He is an all-powerful, and he rules over the affairs of nations. The Bible instructs us to pray for those in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Would you just bow your heads? Let's pray for our president right now. God, we come before you and we thank you, God. We thank you for godly leadership that you have put into place in different levels of government, God, from locally all the way up to nationally. God, and we thank you for those that you have placed in those places that don't even know you at the time, God, but yet you call their name and you put them in those positions to move them forward. But God, today we set aside our president, Donald Trump, before you, God. I know that you are working on his heart from the reports that have come from many, many, many different sources, God. You are working on his heart and continuing to guide and direct him. Now we ask that you would come against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that would try to take out our president, to take out the cabinet, to take out what you want to do in America, God. So we pray for protection of our president. For God, you are the leader. You are the one who guides and directs his hand and guides and directs this nation. God, we humbly come before you and ask and know that you are the one who can guide him. Lord, we pray that you would protect his family, protect those around him, protect Vice President Pence and his family, God. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would direct them. And God, I pray for a Holy Spirit encounter, even in the chambers of the White House, God. God, that you would move upon him in Jesus' Jesus' mighty name. God, we thank you and praise you for that. And we thank you for your direction in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. And you know what? It really doesn't matter what you think politically about him. I know that I have never heard in my entire life a president calling for prayer like our current president does. He welcomes pastors. He welcomes believers, but he especially welcomes pastors and leaders in the church to come on a regular basis to the White House and pray for him. And uh, that's, that's, a, that's an encouraging thought. Amen? Well, today I want to continue to preach to you a message called The Anatomy of a Giant Killer. And I, I was thinking about trying to go back a little bit and go over some of the things we talked about. But I really just want to jump in. You can go back on our website and you can check out there last week's message. But last week we began to talk about David and how that there's so much in the story of David and Goliath. It's such a pivotal story in the Old Testament, but it has so much application 
to the New Testament believer. And so I want to talk a little bit about David and what it takes to be a giant killer. Because how many of you know God has designed us to do certain things in certain ways? Let me say that again. He has designed each one of us with certain gifts, certain callings, certain directions in life. You see, the Bible says that the steps of a righteous individual are ordered by the Lord. You know what that tells me? you got a path. I've got a path. If the Lord directs our steps, then he must have a direction that we're going in. (laughs) He must have a direction that we are to go in. And each one of us is called uniquely. You see, there's something I know, no matter how hard I try, no matter what I muster up, no matter what degrees I get, I know there is one thing I will never, no matter what you tell me, ever be a mother. All the men said, amen. I don't care what they do to my body. I'm never going to be a mother, right? It's not going to happen. It's not in God's design for me. And you see, sometimes we think, oh, wow, we we see some of our friends that are reaching uh, all around the world and going all around the world, and maybe that doesn't excite you, but it excites me. And sometimes I think, oh, man, why why didn't God call me to do that? Because he didn't call me to do that. He had me called to do something else. That's the diversity we just heard about. It's the diversity of the body of Christ, how he raises us up, how he equips us uniquely and distinctly to do his will. But there's always giants in the way. There's always obstacles that will rise up in the face of every believer who has a God-called vision and mission upon their life, which all of us do, there's always going to be giants that are going to raise up to try and take us out. And some of us believe that, well, my part's just insignificant. You know, I'm here just to raise my kids. I'm here just to bless my grandkids. I'm here just to do this or that. Can I tell you, God has something so significant on your life that the enemy sees it. Why don't you? All right, I'm just going to keep going. Let me talk about being a giant killer. First of all, I want you to understand today that a giant killer is fully equipped. A giant killer is fully equipped. 2 Timothy 3 says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I want you to see this. I want you to look at verse 17. Can we read that out together? Whatever version you have, just read it from the screen here. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that the servant of God. How many of you are servants of God? In the first service, Dad said, quoted from Second uh, Peter chapter 1, he said that, that Peter was a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he rightfully said he's a servant first, and then he was an apostle. How many of you know we're all servants of Christ before we're anything else? If nothing else, we are a servant of Christ. And according to Paul telling Timothy, every servant of Christ must be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And where does that equipment come from? Come on, somebody. The Word of God God equips us. 
The Word of God fully equips us. God has equipped you with everything you need to defeat the enemy and secure victory. God has equipped you with everything you need to defeat the enemy and secure victory. I'm going to need your help this morning. Why don't you say that with me? Say, God has equipped me with everything I need to defeat the enemy and secure victory. Do you believe that? I believe that. He has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And then you say, well, wait a minute, what, Pastor? I mean, I know that there's some things God's called me to do. I think of my own son, Jonathan. We've talked a little bit about him today. And when, when he was being raised up, when, when we were raising him as a child, I tell you what, that kid was amazing, but he was also very hard-headed. <laughs> Nothing like me at all, okay? But he was, I mean, you know, he had a mind of his own. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And there came a time when we felt like that, that God was touching him in a special way, but we didn't really know what that was. And he came to us and he said, at one point, and he knows we've said this publicly, so I can say it here. He said, stop trying to call me into the ministry. And we're like, son, we've never, and this is the truth, never called any of our kids into the ministry. It, ministry is not the easiest place to be. And so why would we want to call you? Because if we call you into the ministry, when the ministry gets hard, then you're going to blame us for it. No way. If God's calling you, that's one thing. And when, he's, when he made that statement, we knew God was calling him into the ministry. <laughs> We're like, okay. So we just went to prayer. And then he started following different things. We never knew. We never even imagined that John would be teaching in a foreign nation. Children, much less. Because John will tell you he never thought that himself. But yet, kids love him. They love him. And God equipped him with things that he didn't even recognize. But here's the thing. Along the way, if he would have went to those foreign nations as a teenager, can I tell you something? He wouldn't have been ready. And some of us feel that. Well, I, yeah, I feel a call, but I don't feel fully equipped. Let me show you what David did. Do you remember what David did? Oh, I don't have it right here, but let me show you. On the way to the battlefield, remember we talked last week about how the armor didn't fit him and all that. But then he went, and it says he picked up his sling, right? And on the way, he picked up something else. What was it, church? Five smooth stones. You see, even on the way to the battle, he was picking up the equipment that he needed along the way for that specific battle. Can I tell you something? That God, even if you don't feel equipped going into battle, he'll equip you as you walk out in faith. He'll equip you as you walk out in faith. I've seen this multiple times. I've made this statement. In all of the years of trips I've ever led on, all around the world, nine different nations, can I tell you something? Every person that has ever gone with me, always on every trip, someone has said, I don't have the finances. Every single trip. I've never been on a trip where it wasn't a group of individuals where somebody said, I don't have the finances. At least one person. And what have we told them? If God wants you on this trip, the finances will be there, even if it's at the last minute in our view. And can I tell you, I have never been on a missions trip where God didn't provide everything. Every bit of it. 
And that's just, we've talked about this. Money is the lowest level of faith, okay? That's the simple stuff. But if we can, if we can conquer that, then we can move on to greater faith. And it's just simple stuff like that. But you can pick up those stones along the way, and you can know that God will provide. Why five smooth stones? I question this. I said, Holy Spirit, why five smooth stones? This is what I got. Smooth to sail through the air like flat rocks are the best for skipping across a pond. Anybody ever skip a rock across a pond? What do you look for? Do you look for the biggest, chunkiest thing you can find? No. You look for nice and flat and light so it just... He wasn't picking up big old chunky stones where, where it had big old spikes on it, right? He was picking up five smooth stones so they could fly through the air. You see, David knew this because of his previous battles. He understood at least some of what he needed before. Smooth because the river has washed over them for years, taking off the raw, rough edges. Let me say it this way. The raw gifting... God gave you early on may still be there. But what he may have been doing over the last few years is smoothing out the rough edges. It's smoothing off some things. You see, I've seen some young people with some amazing gifts to sing, to preach, to teach, to minister. I've seen some amazing people that have had these awesome raw gifts, but they weren't quite ready to fully deliver them until some of the rough edges had been smoothed off. You see, sometimes there's some time in the river that is needed before we're fully prepared. There's some time in the river that is needed to smooth out what God is creating in us, to smooth out what God is doing in us. I know for myself when I haven't been in the river, when I haven't been in the presence of God, man, there's some rough edges that still like to pop up. Let's spend some time in the river of God, allowing him to wash over us and smooth out the things so that that gifting can sail through the air and hit its intended target. Can I tell you the provision is there? Why five? Five. We talked about smooth, but why five? Some say Goliath had four brothers. I, don't, I, I never have been able to find the source of that. So if anybody could, has ever studied that out and can find the source of that, I would love to know that because I can't unequivocally say that Goliath had four brothers. But I do know that there are five critical pieces of armor that every believer needs when going into battle. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground against the devil's schemes. After that, you have done everything to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So you see the five? You see them there? The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation. Those are the five pieces of armor that we need to equip ourselves with on a regular basis as we're going into battle against the enemy. Now, some of you are mathematicians in the room, and you're like, wait a minute, isn't there six? 
Didn't we miss one? Tell me, which one did I miss? The sword of the Spirit is not a piece of armor. The sword of the Spirit is a weapon. It's a weapon that you pick up. The armor is there to protect you. The armor is there to strengthen you. The armor is there to make sure that the enemy has no way to defeat you or no way to kill you. But your, your sword, that is your offensive weapon. That is the weapon that you go forth in prayer, which if we were to keep on reading, that's what Paul says. As we go into prayer with the armor fully on, fully equipped with the sword of the Spirit going forward with the Word of God into battle and prayer, we will defeat the enemy. I believe that the primary ways we defeat the enemy is on the battlefield of prayer. It's on the battlefield of prayer. We haven't done a good job of announcing this, but on every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m., we want to do it a little early so that if you're going to work or headed to work, you can stop by here. At 6 a.m., we're going to be having a prayer time from 6 a.m. to 8, 8.39, however long it goes. We want to set aside times of prayer. We want to pray before our service. We want to pray at different times. Why? Because prayer is so important to defeat the enemy. That's the place we go to battle. It's not in yelling. It's not in screaming. Come on, somebody. It's in going with the Word of God and active and activating that. You see, I don't believe God will send you into battle without making everything available you need to fulfill His will. A giant killer is fully equipped. Then we go into 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 41. It says, Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy. Glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. We're going to get back to that in just a minute. But I need you to see this. Goliath didn't think that David was much of a threat. If the enemy of Jesus, Satan himself, would have realized the threat that Peter and the apostles truly posed, he would have crucified them first. <laughs> you see, the enemy did not fully take into account the power of the church of Jesus Christ. He underestimated the power of the church of Jesus Christ. He underestimated. He thought by killing Jesus that that would be enough. But it wasn't. It actually was the cure to the disease. Goliath was the same way. He didn't think David was much of a threat. Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? But watch what David did. David wasn't slip weighed. David was glowing. I got to tell you, I've studied this. I can't tell you how many times. And I said glowing. Some of you know, I, this is not an offense to anybody who, who grew up in the King James, but the King James Version, I just could not get into it as a child. And when somebody handed me a new international version, it changed my life. I was like, wow, I can read the word in my language. 
And that's the way some of you feel in, in other translations. That's fine. It, that's not the point. But I've studied the NIV for years and years and years, and it wasn't until this moment that God highlighted the word glowing. I said, glowing? When Goliath saw David, he saw him as a little boy, but he saw him glowing. Now, I'm not talking about the halo you see in some of those, you know, pictures. You know, I'm talking about all the saints have the halos around them. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about there was something emanating out of David that even his enemy recognized. So I had to go. I had to find out what is this glowing thing. And the word is mare, M-A-R-E-H, mare. And it means sight. Appearance, vision, phenomenon, spectacle, even a supernatural vision. (laughs) He saw David and he saw a supernatural vision. He saw a spectacle. He saw David as something, but he couldn't quite put his finger on it. And so he began to berate him because he couldn't figure him out. Come on, somebody. When the world doesn't understand something or someone, then what do they do? They try and tear it down. And that is what the world does to the church all the time. The world looks at the church. The world looks at a young lady who's willing to give her life. And they go, not a big deal. Until something begins to happen. Until they realize this is a vision. We don't get it, but we're going to take it down anyway. Can I tell you, don't be swayed. Don't be swayed by how the world views us. As long as we know how God views us, we won't be swayed by how the world views us. This is what I wrote. It's time to glow. It's time to light up the world with the fire of God in our lives. It's time to glow. Look at your neighbor right now and say, it's time to glow. Look at your other neighbor and say, ooh, you are glowing. Come on. It's time to glow. I should have come up with a G-L-O-W, but I'm telling you, it's time to glow. You see, not only is a giant killer fully equipped, but a giant killer has a God-sized vision. A giant killer has a God-sized vision. When we understand what God has placed in us, we can begin to do something for him. 1 Samuel 14, or 17, verse 45 says, David said to the Philistine, You come at me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down, And cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. What was David doing? Was he just spouting off threats? David was prophesying. You see that? Everything David said came true. I know that we like to think of prophecies in long term, like hundreds of years, and some of them are. But can I tell you, sometimes there's something that rises up in us, especially when it comes to him. It says, 
you're going down, but it's not in my name. It's in the name of the Lord Most High. And he begins to prophesy. We talk about prophesying. Man, last week was awesome when Pastor Joe led us in prophesying over one another and blessing one another. I had several people come and say, man, that was exactly what I needed that day and how God spoke through them. Amazing. And I love that kind of prophecy. But sometimes I think we need to prophesy to our giants. Say, giant, in the name of Jesus. You threaten me, but you will not take me down because your threats are empty. But I'm telling you, I don't come against you in my own name. I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He tells them what is going to happen. Did you notice the difference between what Goliath said and what David said? Goliath said he was going to feed David's carcass to the birds and the wild animals. Then David said he was going to give the carcasses of the entire Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. Can I tell you, whatever the enemy brings against you, God's going to bring against him seven times more. (laughs) I said, whatever the enemy brings against you, do you know what's going to happen to the enemy in the last days? He is going to be made a spectacle of. He's going to be drug around in front of the nations. And people, the Bible declares in Revelation that the nations of the earth are going to look upon Satan. And they're going to basically say this. This is Ricky's paraphrase. They're going to say, this scrawny little creature is the one who led the world astray. Look at it in Revelation. They're going to say, this is the one who led the world, this scrawny little creature? Talking about Satan himself. I just prophesy right now, Satan, you are going down, and you're going to pay for everything you've done to any believer in Jesus Christ. For everyone that you cost to be martyred, God is going to raise up seven in their place in Jesus' name. So be it. David's vision was bigger than Goliath's. Goliath wanted to take down a man. David was taking down an army. I want to show you, a giant killer knows the source of the victory. In verse 47, it says, All those gathered here will know that this is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord, and he will give all of you into our hands. Do you realize what David does at this point? He literally stops talking to Goliath and he begins to shout to the whole army of the Philistines. And I believe to his own Israelite army. Saying, this is not about my little sling and it's not about your sword or your sword or your sword. The battle is the Lord's but he's going to give you into our hands. David understood where his confidence originated from, who his gifts came from, where his skills started from, and who the battle belonged to. He boasted in the Lord of hosts, the God of the angel armies. All we have and all we are and all we could ever hope to accomplish are from him, by him, and for him. Let me say that again. All we have, all we are, all we could ever hope to accomplish are from him, by him, and for him. 
Every battle you face, every giant you face, is not your giant alone. It's the enemy of the Lord. And if it be an enemy of the Lord, then God is on your side. Can I warn you about one thing? That enemy may be pride. We've got to say, God, this is an enemy I'm battling with on the inside. But I believe it's your enemy, too. I humble myself before you. Will you take that enemy out of my life? Fear, rage. We could go on and on and on. Sometimes the enemies are not way out there, but they're very, very close. But can I tell you, God is greater. God is greater than all my fears. He's greater than all my anger. He's greater than all my pride. He's greater than all of those things. And God is on your side. He's on your side. Would you stand with me? I want to read out of Ephesians. I read it last week, but I really feel like the Lord wanted me to read it again as a prayer over you. And then we're going to pray. And then we've got one more thing to do after that. Ephesians chapter 3. You might want to mark this down in your Bible. Highlight it on your phone. But Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 says this. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I want to say one more thing. David defeated Goliath with God alone on his side. Can we agree on that? The armies behind him weren't even sure he could do it. Saul the king gave him permission, but he wasn't sure if he could do it. He did it against all odds but can i tell you the minute he sunk that rock into the forehead of goliath and by the way the rock didn't kill him goliath's own sword killed him later but when he sunk that rock into the head scripture declares that a great shout went up from the army behind him that didn't know if he could do it before and the army suddenly rallied And then they defeated the Philistines together. Sometimes you may feel alone. Number one, you're not alone. God is with you. But sometimes it's your victory over the enemy that you're facing, over the giant that you're facing, that will give others cause to shout and believe again, I can defeat the enemy. 
I don't think God wants us to do this alone. That's why we've got the body of Christ. He wants us to rally together and go into the battle to see the enemy defeated. So I want you to just for a moment lift your hands. Lord Jesus, whatever enemy we're facing, whatever giant we're facing, whatever things we're facing, God, whether it's inside of us or outside of us from outside forces, God, I know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. God, we come against those enemies right now in Jesus' name. And we say you will not defeat us in Jesus' name. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We have been given the weapons in our right hand and our left, weapons of righteousness and light. We have been given the weapon of the word of God to defeat the enemy. And we just praise you and thank you, God, that we have you on our side, that we recognize you are our strength, that we recognize you are the one who has called us. You are the one who has directed us. You are the one that has equipped us, God. You are the one that has given us gifts. Unique, distinct gifts. And we thank you for that. Now I want you to go from raising your hand to grabbing somebody's hand. And I want you to pray for the person on the right and the left. I want everybody, everybody in the room, find somebody. I don't want anybody to be left out. Just go and move out of your place and grab somebody's hand. In the name of Jesus. Pray for that individual right now. Pray for those individuals on your right and on your left. Come on, you, don't, you may not know what they're going through, but God does. Pray for them right now. God, we pray for strength. We pray for hope. We pray for righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. God, we release joy right now in Jesus' name. God, we release peace right now. We speak peace over their situation. We speak peace over their heart right now. Not the peace that the world gives, but the peace that Christ can only give. We release that right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray for a faith, God. Some of, some of you need faith right now, faith to arise in Jesus' name, that the situation is not hopeless. It is not over. God has given you everything you need for life and godliness, and we release that right now in Jesus' name. We just release encouragement. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Whoo, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And just take about 30 seconds and just look at one person and just encourage them right now. Go ahead. Just look at them and just release encouragement to them.